Welcome to Hakol Radio's Top 3 segment, where we discuss the top three news stories of the day. Hakol Radio, powered by the Muncie Mavasser and broadcasting live from Schlerko Studios in Muncie, New York. Number 1 North Korea broke a two-month absence of missile tests on Thursday as Pyongyang expressed discontent over U.S. and South Korea live-fire annihilation drills that concluded on the very same day. The Kim Jong-un regime had launched a ballistic missile since April 13th's launch of its Hwasong-18 intercontinental ballistic missiles. Pyongyang failed to place a military satellite into orbit last month, a launch that the United Nations says was a brazen violation of the group's resolutions. On Thursday, North Korea fired two short-range missiles from the Sunan area in the outskirts of Pyongyang near the country's international airport, Seoul's military, Seoul's military said. The missiles were launched between 7.25 p.m. and 7.37 p.m. local time off the country's east coast. The missiles reached an altitude of about 31 miles, with one traveling about 528 miles and the other about 560 miles, according to a Japanese assessment. At least two missiles landed inside Japan's exclusive economic zone, which extends about 200 nautical miles from the coast. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida called the launches violations of UN Security Council resolutions and an outrageous and egregious act. Around the same time of the launches, an unnamed spokesperson for North Korea's defense ministry slammed the combined U.S., Washington, and Seoul live-fire drills, calling a response inevitable. Quote, our armed forces will fully counter any form of demonstration, moves, and provocation of the enemies, the spokesperson said. The exercises which South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol attended on Thursday featured more than 600 military assets, including jet fighters, drones, and self-propelled howitzers. More than 2,500 U.S. and South Korean troops from 71 units participated in drills that simulated a response to a Pyongyang provocation and a counterattack. Under Yoon, South Korea has taken a more confrontational stance with the Kim Jong-un regime than his left-leaning pre- predecessor, who gave priority to peace talks. Number 2 Fresh off of brokering the restoration of ties between regional rivals Iran and Saudi Arabia, Chinese President Xi Jinping is looking to further bolster Beijing's image as a power player in the Middle East. Hosting Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas on Wednesday, Xi Jinping introduced another Chinese proposal for peace between Israel and the Palestinians. The plan largely mirrors previous Chinese initiatives unveiled over the past decade. It calls for the creation of an international conference to promote peace talks aimed at establishing a sovereign Palestinian state along the pre-1967 lines and the funneling of significant amounts of international aid to sustain the new entity. For Ramallah, China represents a far more desirable mediator than America in which it no longer has much trust. In a recent interview from his Ramallah office, Palestinian Authority Social Welfare Minister Ahmad Majdalani argued that China is in a better position to coax Israel into making concessions after the U.S. has for years refused to apply such pressure. Quote, we don't think the destiny of the world is in America's hands. There are other emerging powers in the world, said Majdalani, who heads the small Palestinian popular struggle front party but has climbed the ranks within the PA and the Palestinian Liberation Authority thanks to a close relationship with, with Mahmoud Abbas. 
The 68-year-old Palestinian Authority minister depicted the U.S. as a country in decline, one that has failed to apply its own standards on international law to Israel. He glossed over the bitter internal divides among Palestinians and the PA's ongoing legitimacy crisis compounded by Mahmoud Abbas's failure to hold elections. He did, however, recognize that any broker or collective of mediators will have their work cut out for them, but insisted that the Palestinian people have patience and will secure their freedom in one way or another. Number three. The Federal Reserve chose to maintain interest rates at their current levels in its recent decision, but ind indicated a likelihood of further increases in the, further in the near future. The U.S. central bank's response is based on a stronger than anticipated economy and a slower decline in inflation, as outlined in its new economic projections. The Federal Open Market Committee, the FOMC, responsible for setting interest rates, stated that keeping the target interest rates range steady allows them to evaluate additional information and its impact on monetary policy. The committee also emphasized that future rate adjustments would take into account the cumulative effect of tightening monetary policy. The time lag in which policy influences economic activity and inflation, as well as economic and financial, and financial developments. Taking into account the rate outlook and the projections, investors are likely to anticipate a resumption of quarter percentage point rate increases starting from the next policy meeting in July. Following the announcement, U.S. stocks experienced a decline and futures, and futures contracts tied to the policy rate now reflect approximately a 75% chance of another rate hike next month, with the probability of a rate cut by the end of the year dim diminishing. Fed officials on average have more than doubled their economic growth projection for 2023, revising it to 1% from the previous 0.4% in the March projections. They now anticipate the unemployment rate reaching 4.1% by the end of the year, compared to the March outlook of 4.5%. As of May, the jobless rate stood at 3.7%. Thanks for tuning in to the top three segments live on Hako Radio and have a great day.